Alright, hey, what's up everybody? How's everybody doing? Welcome into Living Off the Land. This is episode 225, coming at you live. Well, not really, because uh, you can't listen to this podcast live, but you'll listen to it live the next day, I guess. So, uh, w- welcome in. I am Dan, here with Steven. Steven, how we doing? It's Tuesday night. You know what that means. We're going to do it live, even though we're not actually listening live. It's all good. I'll uh, write it and we'll do it live. Thing sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Except this doesn't suck. Yeah, that's right. Anyway. Living off the land, 225. Uh, as you heard at the beginning, every episode we start off with a beer of the week. and uh, Take it away, Dan. Yeah, here we go. Little, uh little beer drinking ASMR here. Seems like he's feeling blue tonight, and we'll get to that in a second. <sighs> oh, yeah. We've had this beer on the podcast, I, I believe, actually, a, a few times. We are nearing the end of summer here in Cleveland. We've got about under a month to go now, officially. I Once we get into football season, I don't consider it summer anymore. But technically, it's what, September 21st? September 20th or 21st, 20th, somewhere 21st. Yep. So we got about four weeks left. But knowing that... The fall and spooky beers are making their way to the shelves. Pumpkin beers, uh, you know, fall beers, Oktoberfest, um, all that good stuff. And I have an Oktoberfest tonight. We are making the transition into fall beer season. And I've got Old Zom from Market Garden, their Oktoberfest. It, uh, it's it's quoted as saying, our favorite brew for the season of bonfires, beer tents, and later hosen. Our Oktoberfest lager is bursting with layers of toasted malt goodness from hearty Munich malts, all balanced with a German noble hops for a clean, dry finish. Mm-hmm. And this is a great beer. If you're a fan of Oktoberfest and you have not had Old Zom from Market Garden, uh, I don't know what you're waiting for. You need to... Get on over to uh, Market Garden or pretty much wherever you can buy beer, grocery stores, you know, liquor shops, beer stores, anything like that will have this in a Cleveland area. Uh, Old Zom from Market Garden, as Steve said, I was feeling blue. That's because they have a sky blue can art. Which is interesting for an Oktoberfest. Mm. you think a sky blue color would be like a summery crisp, type beer. Crisp and dry, just like a... You know, crisp fall morning, uh, hmm. with the sky all perfectly blue, no no clouds in the sky. I mean, maybe yeah. that's what they were going for. I'm not sure. So Oktoberfest or uh, Old Zom Oktoberfest from Market Garden is a 6.5 percent ABV, 25 uh, IBUs, and it receives a 3.63 rating out of five from Untapped. Let's uh, let's see what the old beer advocate gave. Uh, Old Zom. In the meantime, Market Garden beers, as Dan said, are available in stores and pretty much everywhere. Or even better yet, go to their brew pub in Ohio City, 1947 West 25th Street, Cleveland, Ohio, right next to the West Side Market, right on the main drag, which, I mean, again, you got a whole bunch of other options there, but Market Garden is awesome. 
Absolutely. So, you haven't been there in a while. Get there. Beer Advocate ha- has a, a score for Old Zom of 84, which is really good. Um, and it has a lot of good ratings on Beer Advocate. So, uh, anyway, if you are in the Ohio City area, stop into Market Garden and uh, get yourself a, a pint of Oktoberfest <coughs> or a liter if you so happen to uh, bring in a nice uh, liter uh, glass, glass, glass. What the hell? <laughs> glass, gloss. Yeah. So, um, I'm sure they would fill it up if you brought in a a, a liter, a glass liter. So, but uh, anyway, old Zom from Market Garden. I'm going to go ahead and rate it as a 7.8. I really like this beer. I'm a big fan of Oktoberfest. Um, Oktoberfest pumpkin beers, pumpkin ales. You know, any of that sort. Um, I really enjoy it. This is one of my favorite seasons for one of my favorite beer seasons, and we are just getting into it. I know some people don't like the fact that summer is, you know, a- a- as they say when when we're consistently having high temperatures in August and early September, so we're into the dog days. Of it hasn't summer. really felt like the dog days lately, though. Not in the last uh, we've not had in the last a week of a or so. Transition here, um, yeah. you know, it's supposed it's- to warm up the rest of this week, though. We're yeah. supposed to be in the mid '80s. Pretty yeah, much it the would rest not surprise week. me if we got a big burst of heat and humidity the next few weeks. Yeah, uh, it's it's been way cooler than average for most of the last two weeks. In fact, we got some significant storms over the weekend. Uh, I understand there's other states out there that are actually dealing with much worse flooding and and other stuff than we are, like in the south and southwest. But uh, mm-hmm. thankfully, it never really got this this bad here. Right, um, right. So, phew. so. But anyway, uh, six pack of Old Zom. At uh, Max uh, Beverage, ten ninety nine plus tax, so uh, right in line with the rest of your craft beers, six packs, and uh, yeah, let's crack into uh, Oktoberfest season, and uh, yeah, so that's gonna do it for uh, beer of the week. All righty, take it away. Well, you're going with a more fall theme, and figures I didn't go along with that because uh, <laughs> this <laughs> that just goes to show you how much prep we do on this show. Yeah, because th- this city, well, actually, the suburb of Cleveland is actually hosting their summer homecoming festival this upcoming weekend. Well, there you go. I just spent about seven minutes saying how summer's dying, and <laughs> Steve's about to showcase a summer not festival. In the, not in the not in the suburb I'm about to talk about. Uh, although their main primary colors are actually orange and black, which is uh, Halloween themed. So that's so, well. There okay, you go. There's least, the tie-in. At See. Got, at least we got that going. See, for us. and you guys, and you guys think we don't do any prep for this show? Come on. <laughs> Which is it? We don't know. Yeah, we. But there's what the I tie-in. Do, but what I do know is that today we are headed to the suburb of North Olmsted. Ah, the Eagles. Yes, North Olmsted is in the far western portion of Cuyahoga County, where actually, my brother lives. Actually, border is on the western boundary of Cuyahoga County with mm. Lorain County, which on the other side of that is North Ridgeville, my current hometown. And it's a difficult one in terms of geography. It doesn't really follow streets, the town borders. It's almost like a parallelogram uh, going from southwest to northeast. Um, on the eastern border is with Fairview Park, right along just east of Clegg Road. Uh, the northern boundary kind of snakes in between Lorraine Road and Center Ridge Road. The western boundary is more or less along Barton Road. And then the southern boundary is pretty much... More or less parallels I-480, just south of I-480. 
And this particular town is uh, considered to be middle to upper class. The average home price is about $250,000, according to Zillow. And the, uh, the commercial properties sort of reflect that, too. If you go down the main drag of Lorraine Road, which is your main commercial corridor, you'll get your McDonald's and your Wendy's and Burger King and stuff. But you'll also see Raising Cane's and Chick-fil-A and you know, some of your more you know, upscale ones. So uh, a pretty good mix there, honestly. Uh, of course, you have a lot of local businesses in there as well. Uh, the main commercial center, of course, is Great Northern Mall, which is at the corner of Brook Park Road and Great Northern Boulevard. Over 60 stores inside Great Northern Mall, including their anchor stores. Uh, Great Northern is considered to be one of the top malls in the Cleveland area. Maybe not very top like South Park or Beachwood Place, but uh, is certainly up in that class. Um, every so often, if I don't feel like trucking out to South Park, I'll, I'll end up going to Great Northern. And uh, they have a nice Regal Theater in there as well. Uh, just across the street from there, actually, they've got another stretch of restaurants, including the Romano's Macaroni Grill and the Red Robin Gourmet Burgers and Brews, Yum. among other things. Um, if you go a little bit south of Great Northern Mall, this is where you – one thing that's interesting about um, North Olmsted is that it actually sort of is bounded by metro parks on both sides. On the northwest side of town, you actually have a little enclave park called Bradley Woods Reservation. A lot of people who are not from that local area don't really know about it, but you've got some trails that just go kind of out into into the trees there, and there's just a little small multi-purpose park uh, that goes a- around the lake in the back. Uh, it's not a very big park, but it's uh, it's pretty serviceable for its area. And then on the other side is the major park that goes along Valley Parkway, this is the one that connects all the way from Brexville, swooping all the way up and around through Strongsville and then up through North Olmsted and then all the way ultimately to Rocky River. And this is in the southeast corner of North Olmsted. And right there, you have the Olmsted along Cedar Point Road. If you go toward the river, you have the Olmsted Historical Society and the Frostville Museum, which is open all year, but it's, it's mostly dedicated toward winter and Christmas time. So if you ever go, if you know, once we get toward you know November, December, this is a place that has a heck of a lot of uh, community events, and they, you know, it, it's a really cool place to check out. Uh, Olmsted Historical Society is uh, is open all year, of course. And then if you go a little bit further down into the river itself, that's where you have the Cedar Point picnic area, and you have a place called the Fort Hill Stairs. They literally built these stairs into the hillside where you can climb up and just get an amazing view of the Rocky River and the surrounding countryside. And in fact, it's pretty cool now, but Dan, you were talking about fall. You want to mm-hmm. go back to this place about eh, mid to late October when the, when the trees are at their, their best fall. Oh, foliage. yeah, every, everywhere boy, in the metro parks. That is, that's about best of the best in terms of viewing the, the, uh, the foliage and the trees at that time of the year. It's a great place for bird watching as well. Uh, the river kind of snakes. Shout out to uh, former co-host Jordan Gonzalez, who is a uh, bird watcher. The river snakes in there. It's sort of like a little um, peninsula. So it's like you can see the river on three sides from the top of the Fort Hill stairs. It's actually really cool. Um, of course, the Valley Parkway extends much up much further through Fairview Park and, and beyond. As you as you come back up toward the the northeast side of town, this is where I got a, I got to highlight a place that uh, we talk about a lot on the podcast, and that is Fathead's Brewery and Saloon. Ah, that is at the corner of yes. Columbia Road and Lorraine Road, and a lot of the beers that we spot. have 
uh, fo- featured on this podcast are from there. Uh, also, of course, they have their major brewing warehouse and brew pub in Millburg Heights. So as you get further up, there's this kind of the main bar drag kind of goes up um, along Lorraine Road. you got Time Warp Bars up that way. Two Bucks is up that way. A uh, whole bunch of other uh, local businesses are in this area as well. Uh, including El Rodeo Family Mexican Restaurant, which I've been to and is pretty darn good. I mean, hardly anything beats Fiesta Jalapenos or Cozumel, but it's it's in that class, honestly. So, and if you talk about the um, the areas pretty much in between the parks and in between the commercial corridor, that's mostly residential. And then as you get north of Lorraine Road, that's also mostly residential. And some of the neighborhoods in North Olmsted are are just excellent. Uh, your brother Anthony, of course, and his wife Alyssa live in North Olmsted, and uh, mm-hmm. their their neighborhood is just class, sheer class. North, Ol- I want to shout out North Olmsted High School just for a minute because that was just newly constructed and is a beautiful new campus. And in fact, their their football stadium is brand new as well. Uh, it was just constructed in two, th- I believe, in two thousand eighteen. Uh, that's just south of Dover Center Road and. Lorraine Road, that uh, campus there. So, again, high school football started last week. Uh, I presume North Olmsted will be playing at home. It just wouldn't make sense given the homecoming festivals this week if they didn't. Mm-hmm. But uh, what do I know? Anyway, I don't know, Steve. What do you know? Well, that's that's pretty much what I got on North Olmsted. It's, uh, again, a very desirable place to um, to live, to grow, and raise a family. It's not like the super trendy choice. It's not like a Lakewood or some of the neighborhoods inside Cleveland or, heck, even a city like Avon, which seems to be getting a lot of attention. But uh, it's a city that's been nice for a long time and will continue to be in, in the future, hmm. I believe. Sure. But anyway, um, that's North Olmsted. We've hit a bunch of the suburbs on the west on the lower west side now. Uh, we'll have to start working our way east or perhaps uh, to the northwest side here in the near future. But uh, for now, you can wham that with the right hand. Wham it. Shout out Joe Tate. <clears throat> All right, so that is beer. Er, that, blah, 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 blah. that is uh, Better Know a Neighborhood, better known as B-Can or B-Nac. Uh, now, that's old school. Yeah. <laughs> I'm an idiot. <laughs> anyway. Uh, yeah, so that is our neighborhood segment for the week. What number are we up to on that? Oh, boy. I mean, we started back in January. Um, yeah, uh, coming soon, I'm actually going to have a post about every one we've done so far, so you'll be able to go back to any episode. I've just been too lazy to do that compilation. So, <laughs> Just like I've been lazy to get on Twitter. And my, my deadline's coming up here pretty soon. So. <laughs> yeah, you got about uh, three weeks. Yeah. So, uh, so I better get it. cracking on both. You know, I'm kicking you off the podcast if you don't make oh. one. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Uh, well, anyway, also, uh, serves as a notice for all of our listeners out there to tweet at us, uh, Twitter handle names for Steve. Uh, I got one from, uh, Jordan Hoffman, our friend from Strongsville High School back in the day and, uh, frequent guest on the LTL podcast. He will be coming on the show here soon to do a Columbus Blue Jackets preview. Uh, he suggested nice. at, twer- at Twitterless Steve. Which is uh, hilarious. At Twitterless Steve. A Twitter, Twitter account that's right. that's partly Twitterless. So okay, uh, don't know if we're gonna choose get that. You, but get hey. your uh, get your choices in. I might just pick the best one. Hey, look at that. Anyway, uh, before we get into 
uh, some sports talks. We're going to do the week that was with the Guardians here coming up. Uh, I do want to highlight uh, a new segment that we're going to be doing on the show starting when football season starts. Steven and I have a fantasy football league that we've done for the better part of 15 years now. Since 2006. 16 years. This will be the 16th season. 17. 17th season. Good Lord. Well, uh, we are it's something I tried to do before, and it didn't work. Um, and you know what? We might actually we might talk about this. We might do a special episode. Nah, well, we'll talk about it. I don't know. Uh, but anyway, we are going to do a fantasy football recap every week on uh, Living Off the Land where we go through our league's uh, comings and goings. Um, and we also do some fantasy football talk on the show. So if you have any fantasy football questions, hit us up on social media at the LOTL podcast, and we will try our best to answer those on the podcast that that week might so, have to do a draft recap next week with our draft coming that's up actually what I was, that's actually what i was going to talk about but uh we'll, we'll talk about it after the show and, and we'll announce anything on social media so i we'll have to see who reached on <coughs> whomever and who <laughs> yeah 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 so um but anyway uh i just wanted to do that bit of housekeeping news uh that will start when the football season starts on uh well September 11th is the first Sunday of the NFL season, but there will be a game on on that Thursday. So, but our draft is tentatively scheduled for this Sunday evening. So we will have our teams uh, for next week's episode. So, but uh, the Rams are playing at home on NFL opening night. Obviously, mm-hmm. who are they playing? That is a good question. I don't know. Is it Tampa? It might be. Something tells me it's Tampa. But I'm not sure. Uh, dead air, dead air. <laughs> Interesting enough, those would be the last two Super Bowl champions, and both actually won the Super Bowl on their home field, which is – yeah, where, where's the Super Bowl being held this year? That team's got to be feeling pretty good about their chances. So now we're actively looking for two things here. Dead air, dead air, dead air. <laughs> Buffalo Bills at the Los Angeles Rams is the oh, first Oh, that's just as good. Yeah. Nice. Uh, Buffalo. That's a big deal. Bills Bills Mafia will be girded up for that game. F Bills Mafia. Seriously. Mm. Super Bowl 57 uh, is being held at State Farm Stadium in Glendale, Arizona. Ah, the big toaster. Somehow I think that Super Bowl winner home streak is probably coming That's to an end this year. End. <laughs> I mean, I know Kyler Murray is a good player, but, like, come, come on. on. Come on. And you really think Cliff Kingsbury is going to be coaching a Super Bowl? Probably not. No. Your answer is no. The NFC is anyway. a much easier conference than the AFC, though. Uh, <laughs> you think Kyler Murray is going to beat Tom Brady in a, in a playoff game? I don't think Tom Brady is going to come up against Kyler Murray in the playoffs. But why? Because my dumb opinion. Why? Because Kyler Murray's not going to get there. I think there's a chance neither team gets there. Actually, wow, hot takes, boy! You have been full of hot takes lately. Mm. I mean, little little inside the show here with our uh, with our text group chat with our brothers. It's been a hot take factory in there the last uh, last couple weeks. There's going to come a time, uh, you know, Tom. Brady's and I have a feeling, and I have a feeling that right before 
the episode right before we started recording, you almost said something about what we're going to talk about in our Brown segment. And you're like, ah, no, we'll wait until we actually get there. And I have a feeling that's mm. that's th- th- there's going to be some hot takery in that segment. I don't know if it's necessarily a hot take, but uh, stay tuned, folks. <laughs> well, before we get to that, let's uh, let's go over the week that was with the Cleveland Guardians. So the Guardians had their game on Sunday rained out uh, by the crazy storms that we had yeah and and they it wasn't necessarily the rain it was it was the rain and how it meshed with the field because of the uh elton john concert from a couple weeks ago that was at progressive field i guess oh no kidding i guess the field did not take to the rain after recovering from that concert being on the field Hmm. i don't know what that means too many divots on the field or well what's interesting is they're gonna have to find uh a time to replay that game because the Guardians and the White Sox don't have any other scheduled uh, games the rest of the season. Yeah, that is interesting. This might be a situation where they don't even bother to make that game up unless if it ends up mattering right. in the end, uh, which, I mean, might be just as well. But if you go back before – you know, last week was, was kind of a strange one for the Guardians. They They had four games against Detroit. They split those games, which – it, for my money is not good. Um, they had a game last Tuesday where they were blatantly screwed over by the umpires, particularly on a play at home plate where they called it, um, where there was a bad call for blocking the plate, which ended up giving the Tigers a lead. Yeah. And they ended up losing the game four to three. So yeah, that was it, highly consequential. You know what, you know what that uh, umpire was? Hashtag a hole. Yeah. Hashtag a hole. And there were bad calls in the game the very next night, too. But the Guardians eventually overcame that due to a drop third strike in the eighth inning that the batter was able to beat out. (laughs) And then after that. That had no relation to what we were talking about. I just wanted to play it. And then after that, the Guardians got hit after hit after home run. And then, you know, uh, six runs later, they had an eight to four lead and, and had a victory. So there's a lot of Travis Sham mockery going on in the middle of the week against the Tigers. <laughs> it's a travesty. It's a sham. It's a mockery. It's a Travis Sham mockery. Then the White Sox came into town. It's and frustrating. It's frustrating. It's frustrating. It's frustrating. All right, that went out way longer than I thought it was. Okay. Then Chicago came into town, and the Guardians came up with a four-run rally in the seventh inning to beat them on Friday night. And then the Bats just didn't even get off the bus on on Saturday. They ended up losing nope. two to nothing. Yeah, uh, tough loss there. Which, you know, the the pitching during this stretch was generally pretty good. There was only one game in which the opponent scored over four runs in this week. But, again, the Bats, you know, sometimes they're there, sometimes they're just not there, and that's – you know, been a pretty consistent theme throughout the season. It's not quite as bad as it was early in the season when they were scoring like ten runs plus some games yeah. and no runs the next game. No, but, I I gotta say I the, the offense isn't the issue. It really there really aren't any major issues to this club right now. This club is way overachieving, and we're in first place by a couple of games. So to really say that there's a big issue on this club is to be a little bit uh, nitpicky. 
Indeed, indeed. Uh, right now, the Guardians 64 and 56 in first place. The Twins second at 62 and 58, and the White Sox three games behind at 62 we had a and schedu- 60. We had a scheduled off day yesterday, and then the Twinks and the White Sox decided to lose to a couple of garbage teams and helped us out. So we have a two-game lead and a three-game lead, respectively, over those two clubs. That's the best when you uh, improve your position when you don't even play. Yep. Those are the best days of all, honestly. Oh, yeah. You know. If you look out across the entirety of the American League, uh, the Yankees are 75 and 48, leading the East. The Rays and the Blue Jays, 66 and 55, and 65 and 55, just above the Guardians right now. In the you record. know what's hilarious? And you're, uh, same situation in the West. The Astros, 78 and 45. The Mariners, 66 and 56. So if you look at, if not you look at, still. if you look at the Baltimore Orioles, are fourth in the AL East. And they're right behind the Guardians as far as record goes. Game and a half behind, 63 and 58. How crazy so is the that? Mix too, Thank actually. God. Thank goodness we are in the AL Central. Yeah, bottom line is, actually, is that— Actually, either either Central Division will be okay this year. It, they both stink. It's true. Um, it's easier to win the division than it is to get a wild card. So, yeah. you know, we don't even have to be concerned about the wild card. The, the division race is really—I mean, that's the long and short of it right there. What's funny is that's that's even the case. What was last year would have been for us uh, in in uh, with the Browns. Uh, yes. It would have been easier to win the division. Better to win the AFC North than having to worry about the wild card. Yeah. And that was a constant debate. On, on this program and on group text for much of the end part of the last season. Yeah, absolutely. But going back to your other point, yeah, the National League looks a heck of a lot like uh, the American League. The NL East is the strongest of the three. You've got the Mets at 79-45, the Braves 76-48, and and the Phillies 67-55. and The NL West, the Dodgers are just crazy. That'll be the Phillies on Tuesday. 84-37, and that is best in baseball. The Padres, who are the Indians' next opponents starting tonight at 9.40 p.m., uh, is at 68 and 56. So another me- measuring stick kind of a series here for the Guardians. Who do, wait, who do we play? Padres. Oh, we're playing the Fathers? Yes. Oh, boy. And Interesting. Then, They've been dog crap in the, in the, uh, ever since that Juan Soto trade. Uh, yeah, they're, they're treading water over the last 10 games, but overall the, their, their trend has not been all that good. No. Um, NL Central, the Cardinals. Cardinals have actually been on a run lately. They're now at seventy and fifty-two. Yeah, because all of a sudden Albert Pujols decided to turn back the clock. You know he's, you know he has fifty-three at bats since the All Star break, and he has like eight home runs in those fifty-three at bats. No, I wasn't aware of that. Yeah, the guy, the guy is like he's playing like he's thirty, not forty. He's got to be leading off Sports Center almost every day right now. Well, yeah, because uh, he's now seven away from his seven hundredth home run. Oh yeah, six ninety three. I think he hit. Oh, like, yeah. I think last yeah, night he hit six ninety three. Beyond for that. Yeah. Could you imagine if like he ended the season at six ninety nine? He would have to come back. Next oh, year. he would. Yeah, he's not retiring. Because I, I think I think from a lot of accounts, this is this is planning. Because he went back to St. Louis, kind of as like a swan song. Because mm-hmm. that's where obviously he spent the majority of his Hall of Fame career. And I think this was supposed to be his last year. But if if you end on six ninety nine, I mean you can't you can't just ride off into the sunset. You got to come back. No. You got to come back. Nah. And what's hilarious is if that happens, you got to come back to try and hit one home run off of like a uh, in a 162 game grind. Some random. So dude it's like in so it's April. like yeah, he hits that. I mean, unless unless you know what might be the greatest walk off of all time is if he hits that home run in like the second week of the season and it's just like eh, I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm done. Yeah, right. He, he ends on 700 and then just you know it's the it's it's the end of April and he hits it. That'd be crazy. 
Just because I feel like bringing it up. The Cardinals have a four-and-a-half game lead on the Brewers, by the way, in the AL Central. But I just have to bring it up right now um, since we're going to transition to football here shortly. Cincinnati Reds, 48-72, and 72, second last in the NL Central. You stink. Pittsburgh Pirates, 47-75, and 75, last. You guys suck. Wait, wait, wait. Uh, give me that second record again. Uh, 47-75. and 75. Who's that? Pittsburgh. Haven't broke that one out in a while. That's for the OG listeners on the podcast. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, uh, looking forward to the week. Again, I mentioned the Guardians have two games against the Padres. I wonder if Mike Clevenger's starting either of those games. Yeah, I'm not sure. That'd be a nice little uh, callback, Clev. Good player when he's with the, with the Indians, for sure. So what would be your probability of victory in the – divisional race for the guardians right now given who the now see i don't i haven't looked at the full schedules for the twins and the white Sox, but assuming they're not significantly harder or easier than the guardians i'd say the guardians are probably about two-thirds i'd say about 66 percent that they that they take this thing home i'm not convinced that minnesota is going to put in a push i think chicago would be more likely to yeah but over the last month i was kind of expecting them to do better than they have I'm starting to think maybe they just don't have the goods either. Yeah, I don't have. I don't think they have the the Cuyones or you know the Hutzpah. Yeah, uh, they don't got it. They don't got it downstairs. You know, to uh, they. I, I would say they certainly are the most talented team in the, of the three. Um, but there's just something missing, and it probably comes from you know their manager who's falling asleep during games and stuff like that. So, I, I'm thinking <laughs> 86, 87 wins probably gets it done. You know, that's only yeah. two or four games over 500 the rest of the way. I yeah. I really do think that because that would force either Minnesota or Chicago to go minimum 10 over 500 the rest of the way, and I'm not convinced that either team could do that. And you know what's interesting is the Guardians, and tell me how weird this is. This has to be a combination of makeup dates and whatnot. The last six games of the Major League Baseball season for the Guardians are against the same team. Yeah, the Royals. The Royals. The last six there has to be rainouts and stuff being made up in those dates. You know, one of the early season series where Kansas City was playing at Progressive Field, there must have been multiple rainouts. Yeah. Because Cause those games are at Progressive Field, aren't they? Yeah. So we play the last six games of our season at home? We do. Nice. Against the same team. Who yeah. stinks, by the way. So th- basically this is what I'm this is what I'm thinking. Well, the good thing is that it's a team that's going to be out of contention and has nothing to play for. That's exactly. That can't be a bad thing. The only so what I'm what my thinking is if the Guardians just hold serve and go into that last week, let's say up to or hell, let's say they drop a couple games and they're, you know, tied with either the Twins or the White Sox or maybe all three of them are tied. That'd be that'd be wild. <laughs> uh yeah. It's advantage Guardians because that last week, they're spending at home against the same team, and that team stinks. Right. I don't I don't know who the Twins and the White Sox played the last week of the season. Hell, they might play each other. They probably do have a bunch of games that last week. each other. I, I, I haven't looked, but I, you got to figure. So, yeah, I think it, I think it's advantage Guardians. And, I mean, I, I feel like in the, in, in the next three weeks – I think the Guardians would have to just completely fall off the wagon. 
I hate to say that there's a possibility of that. I mean, there is. Oh, given sure. who they have to play. They are playing teams that are all in this, like, say we were in a better division and we were going for the wild card. This next two-game stretch, would, three two-week stretch would be enormous. Yeah. Padres, even though they're the National League, they're still in that class. And then you had – they stay on the West Coast. They play four against Seattle. They mm. then have three – they come home, they play three against Baltimore, and then three more against Seattle. So, I mean, you I, there is a scenario on the board where the Guardians go, like – Three and nine, or four and eight, in the next. Well, let's hope that games. let's hope that Hopefully we're not putting that, that on the board. That doesn't happen. As long as they get through that stretch, good. You got nine games against Kansas City in the last three weeks. You also have one series against Minnesota, where you could just pretty much knock them straight out if you win that series. You also play the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim, who are not very good. Mm. So, it's it's Ooh, really apparently, apparently as of today are for sale. Really? Yeah, I don't know if you saw, saw that. Hmm. Uh, is it Art Marino? I think is there. Artie Marino. Artie Marino. Yeah. yeah, they they announced. Uh, they officially put out a, a statement saying that they're, um, they're looking into potentially uh, selling the club. And uh, just just for a, the Twins are actually starting a series with the Astros today. They are down one nothing in Houston. Uh, That's a tough ask for in them the, in the third inning. I uh, like hearing that. See, the Guardians are coming up at 940. What are the White Sox doing today? White Sox are at Baltimore, who are one of the hottest teams in baseball in the second half. They're down 3-2 to two, That's uh, in the sixth. That's definitely a measuring stick series for the for the White Sox. Yeah. so Very similar records. Uh, just to look up before we wrap up here with the Guardians, and uh, I just want to see, you know, I mentioned that the, that last week of the season we played the Royals. I'm interested to see. Uh, yeah, the last series of the Twins and White Sox season is against each other in Chicago. Oh, baby. So, essentially, the Guardians are only going to have to contend. If things stay likely the way they are, it's not really going to be a th- three-team race the last week of the season. One of these two teams is probably going to knock each other out. So... Let's see. Uh, I want to see the rest of the season here. So, actually, the Twins and the White Sox play each other six times in the last nine games of the season. Ah, uh, so they probably don't play until then, but lots of games down the road. <laughs> the Twins have a th- the Twins have a three game series with the Tigers in between that, which I'm sure they'll probably make make quick work of. And the White Sox travel to San Diego in between those uh, series with the uh, Twins. So it sounds like we don't want a situation where one of the teams basically sweeps the other. We don't want that. We'd rather have Probably the teams not. go like yeah. three and three against yeah. each other. That would be better. Essentially taking taking each other out, basically. Right. Uh, unless, like, again, we don't know what's going to happen with the Guardians. They're so young. you know, They could either take off the rest of the season and – you know, we could win the division comfortably, or there's just as likely of a case that we they could fall on their face. You know, we don't know. Yeah, I mean, they've had a pretty darn good record against good teams this season, and yeah, we read com- that we contrast. read that stat. I believe, I believe it was last week or two weeks ago that uh, with records against teams above 500, uh, it's the top four teams in baseball, and, and then the Guardians and the Guardians that have the the best records against. You know, it's. They've played almost as well against, or perhaps just as well against the good teams as they have against bad, which you know is 
kind of unfortunate because they've, they've left. That we, we were complaining about this last week. They were, they left games on the table against Detroit. Yeah. I mean, they only went 10-9 and nine against them this season. Right. You know, and there's been other teams as well, and that included in That's that. what I get for playing sound effects on the soundboard. Particularly against the National League because they gave games away against the Cubs and the Reds earlier this season. <coughs> Just to name a couple. But Ew. anyway, that's where the Guardians stand. That was the week that was. and The week that was with the Cleveland Guardians. Why don't we talk about the week that was with the Cleveland Browns? Let's talk about it. Uh, I mean, I don't really care to get into the preseason game. I really, I, I mean. It, it really doesn't matter all that much, really. Here's what I want to do now, though. So, I don't really, there's nothing really to talk about with Deshaun Watson. He's he's gone. He's He's away for the next three months, four months, whatever. We now know that he's not playing the first 11 games for sure. That's a fact. None of this six, and then we don't know what else could be six. Might be eight, might be ten, blah, blah, blah. It's 11. It's 11. He's coming back week 13 against the Houston Texans. We know by that way, for a fact. By the way, how shameful is that? Because we were talking about these suspensions as being in even-numbered increments, <laughs> six, eight, ten, twelve. Yeah. And how did we know that the NFL was going to turn this situation into a giant marketing ploy? Hey, let's make it 11 so that when he comes back, he's going to come back in Houston where everybody hates his guts, and it's going to be this, you know, big circus show. We're yeah. going to put it on national television. Well, I don't know if hey. it's going to be national televised, but, uh, I mean. Who knows? <laughs> uh, listen, the NFL loves drama. Jerks. The NFL loves ratings. Who do you think that the uh, Denver Broncos are playing in their first game this season? Uh, Chiefs. They're playing the Seattle Seahawks. Oh. Russell Wilson. Okay. It's another one. So, mm-hmm. you know, the NFL loves their drama. But uh, but anyway, that's enough about Deshaun. We know he's gone. It's whatever. That was it, lucky because AFC versus NFC, that only happens once every four years. They got lucky with that. Yeah. Jacoby Brissett, as of today, right now, I know as we were as we were getting ready to start recording, you might have a differing opinion on this. Jacoby Brissett is going to be our quarterback, assuming health, for the first 11 games. I'm not sure I necessarily disagree with that, but I do think it's odd that he has not played any of the first two weeks of the preseason. Uh, I, I, I definitely think he's going to play this week. I mean, if he doesn't, that would certainly signify that something is amiss, wouldn't you think? No, I think the team would just kind of be – I think the team would be – erring on extreme caution to not get him injured in the preseason, which I, I don't agree with. Let me just put that out there. No, I don't agree with that either. Um, because, I mean, are you really – I mean, are we really worried about – like, Jacoby like, – like, if Jacoby Brissett gets hurt, then, okay, yeah, then you go trade for Jimmy Garoppolo. Like, that, that that's an easy solution. But anyway. The perception I, is um, – well, okay. Jacoby Brissett is going to start week one, obviously. I just think you're setting him up for a bit of a perception problem. If he were, let's say, for sake of argument, he didn't play this week and Josh Dobbs went out and had another good game like he has had the first two weeks of the preseason, and then Brissett goes out and struggles in Carolina, you're going to have a quarterback controversy going into week two. No. God, no. Between 
Brissett and Josh Dobbs? Be- yes. Josh Dobbs has never thrown a, a pass in the NFL before in a regular season game. I'm just saying you're you're setting yourself up that way because the guy is performing no. in the preseason. Yeah, against guys that are going to be insurance salesmen in a couple weeks. Fair I mean, enough. Come but, on. You know, he's you you only do as well as what's thrown up in front of you. So No. I mean, okay, so this this is very funny to me because you had been basically trying to explain away any scenario in which Brissett would still be playing when Watson is ready to come back. Yet, at the same token, you're saying Brissett is good enough to where there's no scenario in which Josh Dobbs would ever get played over him either. I mean, you're which, not really trying to compare Deshaun Watson, those two situations, are you? It just seems like you're... Steve, Deshaun Watson's never thrown a regular season pass in his career. Deshaun Watson? Oh. Or, oh you, uh, you uh, Josh that. Dobbs. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Okay. Josh Dobbs. Just because he plays he plays well in a preseason game or two doesn't mean that you're going to put him in in a regular season game. And uh, this isn't me saying that, that because Jacoby Brissett is good. I don't think Jacoby Brissett is very good. But there's a difference between having experience and not being very good and being in the league for four to five years and never throwing a pass. It is pretty stark. Yeah, I don't. But I, that being listen, said, listen. Good for Josh get, Dobbs. Good for listen. What Josh Dobbs has done is he's essentially locked up the backup quarterback job for the first uh, eleven weeks of the season. That's what he's done, and that's great for him because usually he's been with the Steelers his entire career, and he's been going from you know getting released, brought back, put on the practice squad, you know stuff like that. Mm-hmm. He's going to be one play away for the next. 11 weeks, which scares the living bejesus out of me. Because while he's been good in the preseason, we've had a lot of crappy quarterbacks be good in the preseason. Point taken. In the last 20 years. So, I don't think you can take any... Honestly, I don't think you can take anything from preseason at all. But, mm. hey, good, probably, for, you know, good for him. Pro- yeah, you see, you're... Uh, yeah, you're probably right about that. Preseason is very highly irrelevant uh, to the yeah. point where they're not even playing the GLC this year, which is highly disappointing. <laughs> the GLC never has a game that meant, meant so little. Meant so much. GLC. <laughs> Shout out Mike Polk. R.I.P. GLC. Yeah, right. That'd be pretty sick, too, if we did play the GLC this year, because that would mean we'd be on Hard Knocks. Because <laughs> the Lions are on Hard Knocks this year. So. Yes. So anyway, uh, I want to go and do a schedule game for the first 11 weeks of the season. I don't want to get into the last six when Deshaun Watson comes back, uh, unless you want to have that argument again when no, when you think there's a possibility that, that Jacoby Brissett stays the starter when Deshaun Watson comes back with suspension. I mean, the, the criteria for that to happen is kind of outlandish. I mean, that, that would see the Browns at like 9-2 and two and leading the division or something, you know, because n- nobody – Bench the quarterback when a team's winning like that, at least 99 times out of 100. But be that as it may, yeah, uh, uh, the Browns are probably not going to be 9-2 and two after 11 games, <coughs> so it doesn't really matter. Yeah, so let, let's, uh, let's go through it. Uh, let's pull up the schedule here and uh, see how we feel about Jacoby Brissett and the Cleveland Browns. Uh, weeks one I do hope 11. I get to rewind that in November when the Browns are 9-2. No. <laughs> that that would be just too good. 
Yeah. Oh, it'd be amazing. You guys could tweet at me, be like, "Oh, you said the Browns aren't going to be nine and two. Well, you were well, <laughs> yeah." And then you, nah, never mind. That's not an argument I want to get into right now. Oh, but hey. Okay, so week one. We already know the storylines going on in week one. September 11th, we will be in. Well, not us, but the Browns will be in North Carolina. And they will be taking on their former quarterback, former number one overall pick, Baker Mayfield, and his new uh, team, the Carolina Panthers. Mm -hmm. What do we think here? Uh, To quote Tom Hamilton, (laughs) swung on and blasted. (laughs) And they're going to get blasted straight out of Mecklenburg County. It's going to be ugly. I'm talking like 30-plus points for the Panthers. It's not even going to be close. Browns will lose big. I don't think the Browns are going to lose big, but I agree with you. They're going to lose. Um, Richard Richard Higgins, anyone? Yeah. Um, It it just comes down to the simple fact that the Browns don't win openers. I mean, it's the easiest bet to win in Vegas every single football season. The Browns haven't won an opener since 2004. That's 17 in a row that they haven't won. Now, one year you would have pushed because uh, they tied the Steelers in 2018, but they're 0-16-1 since 2004. If you were betting point spread, that would have been a victory because the Steelers were definitely favored in that That's one. very true. But, but straight up, yeah. I'm just, I'm just saying money line. Bad. 0-16-1. All you had to do was bet against the Browns for those 16 weeks, and you're probably paying for – your kid's college. Yeah. Um, Depending on how much you put you on it. basically bet everything on the money line every week Jeez. in week one. Yes. And you would have gotten some pretty good odds some years, too, because we were playing some teams like Tampa and Jacksonville and that were not that good, and yet we still couldn't beat them. So. All right. So 0-1 there. Yeah. Then the Browns come home and they host the Jets. Win. I also, I also see that as a win, even with Jacoby Reset. Um, the Jets are terrible, and yeah, they, they lost stink. Zach Wilson. They stink. So, not that he's very good to begin with, but week three, yeah. this is the interesting one for me in the first stretch of the season. Yeah, home against Pittsburgh on Thursday, Thursday night. Browns don't lose games on Thursday night at home. They're going to win this one. <sighs> Even if Mitch Trubisky's the quarterback. Yeah, I I still think the Browns get this one. I know you got I know you got a little hard on for for Mitch Trubisky. Ah man, smidge, but uh, <laughs> but half, uh, half chub. Yeah, I think the Browns defense will do enough. They'll win like a twenty to seventeen game or something like yeah. that. Yeah, I. Uh... I think the Browns lose. Stop the presses. Wow. I'm sorry. I just don't. I Listen. He had a chance to play good morning, good afternoon. Oh, I'll still night, play it. And he never, and he, he's, no, he's picking the Steelers. How about that? I, I just, listen. I think our offense is going to stink. And no matter who the Steelers uh, quarterback is, uh, their defense is always really good. So, I honestly, nah, no, I don't think there's a chance we get shut out just because Chubb and Hunt and um, Dearness and Jerome Ford, you know, our back, our backfield. But I think we could be held out of the end zone in this game. Sounds like your thoughts are not too different from mine. Actually, it sounds like you're thinking like 
17-12 Steelers or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, Browns travel to Atlanta in week four to face the Falcons. I'm taking the Browns to start 3-1. and one. I don't think the Falcons are very good. I, I think, that, and in fact, that's a place where, I mean, they don't play there very often because they're in the NFC, yeah. but it seems like the Browns never lose in Atlanta. So um, g- give me the Browns there too. I'm going to take the Browns there as well. The only thing that scares the crap out of me is Kyle Pitts because historically since the Browns have come back, uh, they don't cover the tight end well at all. And Kyle Pitts is like a combination of Gronk and Megatron. Hmm. That guy is a monster. But he also has Marcus Mariota throwing to him, so who knows. Uh, the Browns mm-hmm. come Browns home. Three and one. How about that? Three and one. I've got them at two and two. Uh, Browns come home week five to face the Chargers. The now that's going to be a loss. Chargers are going to be one of the best teams in the league this year. I don't think there's any chance the Browns can keep up with the Chargers offense in this game. I think they lose pretty handily. I actually think the Browns are going to win that game. Oh, okay. I don't think the Chargers are as good as, as you say they are. I, I think their coach is a wacko, and I think he's going to do something, uh, make some sort of call late in the game that's going to cost them the game. Hmm. <coughs> Interesting. Yeah. And also, I think uh, Justin Herbert is all flash, no substance. So, um Oh, it didn't seem that way when they put 47 on us last year at SoFi. That's very true, but I also think our defense this time is going to be much better this time around. Oh, they, they had their worst day of the season last in that game last year. Yeah. I don't think there's any doubt about that. So we both have the Browns at 3-2 and two through 5. Uh, Bill Belichick comes to Cleveland, and uh, the Patriots visit First Energy Stadium oh. week 6. Oh, this, is the, this might be the hardest one for me to call uh, out of these 11. I don't have a good read on how the Patriots are going to be this season. Um, I could see where Mac Jones continues his progression. Belichick is coaching them up, and they're making the run at the division title. Or maybe they just don't have the talent to do that. Man, this is – yeah, this – Ah, heck, give me the Browns. <coughs> I don't like the Patriots. Wow, okay. So you got the Browns at 4-2. and two. Uh, yeah. This is a. This is almost – as definitive a loss as I have on the schedule. I, I say overtime. The Browns win it on a field goal in OT. <clears throat> the Browns lost 45-7 to seven to this team last year. Um, it's at home this year. I don't really see it being that much of a difference. Maybe we don't give up as many points, but I don't think we're going to win this game. So, Okay. You have 4-2. and two. I have the Browns at 3-3. Three and three. Uh, At Baltimore, week 7. Six, 7. Yeah. I mean, that to, for me, that that's a is going to be an ugly, yeah. ugly long day. That's a, when was the last time we won in Baltimore? Actually, it might have been a couple of years ago. Uh, yeah, just a few years back, actually. Huh? Yeah. Maybe oh yeah, it was, 20, was that it was 2019. Josh McCown had a masterclass. No, no, Baker in, beat him in 2019. Okay, so we've won twice in in fairly semi recent. Yeah. Hmm. I don't think it's. But it's not going to be this time though. I think the Ravens are probably going to be more motivated than any team in the league this season after they basically had the season ripped away from them by the injury bug a year ago. So, eh, I just don't think they're that good. But anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they will beat us that game. So I have mm-hmm. the Browns at 3-4. and four. You have them at 4-3. Four 4-3. and, three. Four and, three. Uh, and just, as, just as I was as definitive as this game, I'm going to be just as definitive the other way. Bengals at Browns, Halloween, Sunday Night Football, 
Is that Sunday or Monday? Monday. Monday night football. Da, 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 da. Perfect timing. Trick-or-treating is from 6 to 8. Game starts at 8.20. Yeah, right. Couldn't possibly have it set up any better. Yeah. And uh, uh, the Bengals don't beat the Browns, especially in the Joe Burrow era. I think that continues. And the Browns win. Agreed. I think the Bengals are going to have a big-time Super Bowl loser hangover this year. I don't see them making the playoffs, honestly. So, yep, give me the Browns here. Uh, all right. Uh, and then we've got we traveled down to Miami to face the Dolphins, week nine. You have the Browns going into that game at five and three. Five and three. I have them at four and four. And not that the Dolphins are one of the worst teams in the league. I definitely think that the Browns are better. I think this is the Browns' big time clunker of the season, and I think they go down to. Miami and they suffer the South Beach flu and they lose to the Dolphins. Gosh, and you know what? I you know, I'm thinking the same thing. You know, you think about bye weeks are usually a good thing, but a bye week the week before you're about to play in Miami, I I yeah, I I I worry about that a little bit. Um yeah, I could see this easily being the, you know, there's always one game in there that you just you're mentally thinking you can win, but the team just comes out with a poor a flat performance. Let's call it that here. Uh, we don't have a great record playing in Miami, so yeah. I'm going with the Dolphins. And probably the maybe the toughest two-game stretch of the season just before Deshaun Watson comes back. Browns go to the Bills for a 1 o'clock tilt on Sunday, November 20th. I think we'll be lucky to get out of that stadium not losing by 30. Swung on and blasted. Yeah, That's going to be an ugly long day. So you have the Browns at five and five at this point. I have them at four and six and teetering. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> the trajectory is not all that good with you. You've got them losing four of their last five up to this point. And make it five out of six because the because Tom Brady is coming to town uh, Thanksgiving weekend, and I think he's going to hurt. Uh, I think he's going to serve up to the Browns a nice slice of humble pie, and the Buccaneers are going to take the Browns. You know. I just said a little while ago I don't think the Buccaneers are going to be all that this year because I, for some reason, <coughs> I think this is going to be the year where Father Time finally does catch up with Tom Brady. But yeah, I, I'm to the point being, now. I'm to the point now with that where I have to see it to believe it because every year for the last like five years, everybody's been saying that and it just doesn't happen. So while I think you could be correct, I'm holding out that I have to actually see it to believe it. Yeah. And of course, no, I, Tom, Tom I, I Brady has Tom Brady has a mixed bag of uh, history at, at Brown Stadium as far as performances go. Yeah, was, he's, he's put up some stinkers. There was before. the nice throw Tom game, and then oh, there was gosh. also there was also was it f- 2014 or 15 when he came back from the Deflate Gate suspension and just absolutely spanked us. Uh, that might have been 16 actually. Okay, so yeah. Um, so he's got a bit of a mixed history here in Cleveland, but I just I, – I, I, here's all you need to know. Tom Brady v. assuming health, Jacoby Brissett. I mean, really? Yeah, doesn't look good on paper. And the Buccaneers, you know, for the longest time, they were a team that just – whenever it was cold weather, they just never won seemingly. But yeah. that you can throw that away with, you know, in the Tom Brady era. They – Friggin' went up to Green Bay and friggin' beat the Packers in the AFC Championship game for goodness yeah. sake. So, uh, yeah, so, it's gonna be the Bucks. So, 
Boy, I, I was thinking for a moment there that I might have the Browns over 500. If the I think I might have talked. I think I might have talked you into a couple losses. Nah, I mean, was I playing favoritism with New England and Miami? Yeah, maybe. Maybe those results will be reversed. But yeah. like, you know, still five and six. I mean, that just sounds about right to me. Five and six, I think, puts you on life support when Deshaun Watson comes back. As far as trying to compete in the division and a wild card because essentially at that point you've got to go at minimum five and one probably to win the division uh yes it'd be 10 and seven that's what won the division last year and there's a small chance you might even have to win out but if you assume that none of the teams go above 10 you would still have a puncher's chance but the bottom line is, if you're looking at the playoffs from five and six, and you got them at four and seven, which means you know that's almost turn out the lights. Yeah, I mean Deshaun, Deshaun Watson would have to come back and be an MVP the last six weeks of the season, which right. talent wise, I think he's he's capable of doing. But you'd be expecting him to do that while missing essentially two straight years of football. So he, I mean, here's your pathway: if if you are five and six, let's say, you. With your remaining games that are outside of the division, you have zero margin for error. You have to beat the Texans, you have to beat the Saints, and you have to beat the Commanders. Period. That would get you. That See, would get I you actually, eight wins, and it would, that would give you a mulligan against one of the remaining division teams. I actually disagree with that take. Oh, really? Because wait, say those teams again: the Saints, Texans, Saints, and Commanders. Okay. None of whom are very good, in my opinion. So the Saints and the Commanders are both NFC games, so those games wouldn't matter necessarily for a tiebreak situation. I think those are the two games, one of the two games you can effectively. If you go into the sec, if you go into the Deshaun Watson six games, and you're five and six, to me you have to win the remain. No matter how you fared in the first three division games, you have to win the the remaining division games. You have to beat the Bengals. You have to beat the Ravens. You have to beat the Steelers. In my well, opinion. Well, in your scenario, you cannot they, lose to a divisional opponent. In in your scenario, the Browns would be one and two in the first three division games. So yeah, they pretty much would have to run the table in the other yeah. three. In in mine, they're two and one through the first three. So, but, but assuming, what I'm what I'm what I'm what I'm saying is I yeah. I, I find it hard to believe that not one of the Bengals or the Ravens end up at ten and seven at the end of the year. Well, I think that the Ravens will absolutely be that, or possibly better. Cincinnati, yeah, so, I'm not convinced that they'll win ten games. So at that, so at that point, you have to at least be tied with them, head to head, and then you have to have as as good of a divisional record as humanly possible. So okay, so based on that, you would say that the December 18th game at home against Baltimore would definitely be must win. Yes, and. Assuming if you beat the Bengals the first time around, maybe the game in Cincinnati is not an absolute must win on December 11th. But if you get the chance to drop the hammer on them head to head, that would really be helpful. Yeah. So, but but uh, like what you said, assuming that it's the Ravens that are the 10 and 7 team, or potentially better, and we both had them losing uh against them the first time around you got to win the second that you have to win the second and to me otherwise you're not winning the division you're well, because, going for a wild card so, and that's so listen, tough so you lose the first game you win the second game so there's no tiebreaker there the next tiebreaker for the division if i'm correct goes to divisional record yes so for me i think you have to win all three of those divisional games in those six if you stumble against say you have a clunker against washington or the saints 
I don't think that's gonna. I don't think that's gonna end up killing you if you if you win those other three divisional games. I hear what you're saying, and it, it's it's an argument that definitely makes sense. I the, the issue I have with it is that none of the Texans, Saints, or Commanders are are as good as any of the three divisions. Oh, that's true. That's so, true. Yeah, the it's great. But say, I just think, well, but, yeah, the easiest path is win all three of the division games. But that's also the hardest possible road. Sure, a hundred percent. I for me though, I just just looking at what I believe is probably going to end up happening is that this AFC North division is going to beat the living crap out of each other again. The winner of the AFC North last year went to the Super Bowl and had a 10-7 ten, ten record. Incredible so, run. Incredible yeah. playoff run yeah. that the Bengals got on a year so, ago. So, for me, if you're able to have a 4-2 and two or what would be amazing, a 5-1 and one divisional record, Five one divisional record wins the division almost surely. More than likely, unless if you get totally beat up elsewhere. More than likely, yeah. So, I just think when you look at those last six games, the most important games to me are those divisional games. One hundred percent. I think you can afford to. I, I don't think if you're if you're five and six going into that last stretch. And your loss is to the Ravens, and you end up getting swept by the Ravens. I don't think you're going to the playoffs. Yeah, because then you'd have to look at a wild card, and that's as we saw last year in a really crowded AFC. If you if you do that, if 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 you're five and six like you predicted, and you go into those last six and you go five and one, and your loss is to the Saints. I think oh, you, that's I, that's a good scenario. That puts right, you that, ten and seven. That's what I'm saying. That puts you five and one in the division. The only way another team is going to beat you out is that they get eleven. Eleven wins. and six. That's what I'm saying. Like the the divisional record right. and the AFC and that Houston game is important too because it's an AFC game. What if we're in? Uh, so if you go four and two in the division, you probably yeah. tie in divisional record and guy head to head. Then it goes to conference record. Right. Or if or if let's say we're tied with like four teams uh, for the last wild card spot at ten and seven. That win against Houston is an AFC win. That's part of the divisional. Uh, that's or that's part of the wild card tiebreaker. If you're in a multi, uh, more than uh, two team uh, tiebreaker. Houston is one of those teams, along with Atlanta, along with the New York Jets. I can almost throw Miami in there too, but I just have a bad feeling about that game. Yeah. To where it's it's not easy to imagine the Browns going to the playoffs if you are losing to them. Yeah. In really, any scenario. Yeah. But here's here's one thing I do want to say. If the Browns are four and seven, yep, like you said, yeah, Deshaun Watson comes back, yep, they get hot, yep. they beat Cincinnati, they beat Baltimore, they they take care of business against the Saints and the Commanders. They're nine and seven going into the final week, and they're playing for the division on the final day at in the place formerly known as Heinz Field, yeah, against the Steelers, and then they lose. <laughs> 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 that, would, that would be the ultimate rip your heart out scenario, now wouldn't it? That would be terrible. If they win that game, you might as well just and and they go six and zero and they win the division on the final day, coming back from four and seven. You might as well just start building Deshaun Watson a statue right then and there. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't go that far yet. Uh, there's still a lot he needs to do to uh, repair his uh, repair his uh, repair his image. You could. Um, but Even better if the Browns were to go on to win the Super Bowl, you'd have license plates saying "Down four one ten, yeah, as in won the last ten games in a row. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah. I mean, what can you say? Yeah, so it's it's certainly going to be interesting. I just 
man. Yeah, I don't really see us being better than four and seven. People like to say, oh, mm. we're going to have a really good defense and we're going to have a really good running game. Like, okay, I mean. You can make a case for both. No, I don't know if it'll happen, but you could make a case for both of those. Listen, you could have a really good defense and have a really good running game and still end up four and seven in the first eleven games. Which would be a tacit admission of what we pretty much know to be a fact that the NFL is not the NFL of twenty or even ten years ago. Over the last two wins. decades, the Chicago Bears have been a team that's prided themselves on good defense, good running game. They haven't been good in a decade. I mean, I would say them or if you think about the rest of the league, I mean, the Pittsburgh Steelers are usually in that class, too. Yeah, but they had Ben Roethlisberger, okay? True. Like, the, the Bears, the, never the Bears had, don't have a quarterback. They they're, never they're, had a QB like that. They're, 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 you could make an argument that they are worse in the last two and a half decades at, at, at the position of quarterback than the Browns. I mean, they had Jay Cutler for a handful of years, so I guess maybe not. We never... We haven't had a guy as good as Jay Cutler. Rex Grossman. Hey, Re- Kyle Sexy Orton. Rexy took them to a Super Bowl. Caleb, Urgh, their Caleb, defense did. Caleb Haney, anyone? Uh, or Brian Urlacher did. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and that bear defense was one of the best we've seen in the last 20 years. <laughs> saying, saying, Rex, saying Rex Grossman took the Bears to a Super Bowl in 06 is like saying Trent Dilfer won the Ravens a Super Bowl in 2000. Right. I mean, talk about just being along for the ride. It's like, hey – just don't mess up. That's all we just, just don't throw the ball to the other team. That's all we that's all we care. Just hand the ball off. Right. I mean, it's just yeah. So, hey, maybe the Browns are one of those teams this year. Maybe, you know, they win a bunch of games 17-13, 14-10. Maybe I'd be just fine with that. I, I mean, would be fine with that game, too the given the situation mostly, we're in. It would be mostly boring, but you know what? I don't care about boring or, listen, or anything like that if you're listen, putting wins on the Listen, if we did that and say we were six and five or hell seven and four in the first eleven, and then Deshaun came back and the team went off and we ended up making a run in the playoffs. It wouldn't be build Deshaun a statue. It'd be build Miles Garrett a statue, build Denzel Ward a statue, build John Johnson a statue, uh, build JOK a statue, build Jadevian Clowney a statue. All those guys, or Greg perhaps, Newsom, all those guys. Or perhaps most most notably Kevin Stefanski. Yeah. Because how many times did we lose games last year because we just didn't run the ball enough? Oh, don't if bring we, me if back. We can to get that. ourselves away from that trap. Yeah. This year, that's going to help immensely. Well, he's going to have to do it by he. I mean, he's going to have to. He's he's going to be brought running the football, kicking and screaming this year because there's no other option. Yeah. If he comes out, if he comes out throwing 45 times a game with Jacoby Brissett, I'm going to fire him. <laughs> Our post game podcasts are going to be oh <laughs> like Benadryl if that turns out to be the case. It, Jacoby Brissett should never throw the ball more than 25 times in a game at the absolute maximum. I don't care if we get behind early and we have to, you know, make up ground, you know. I think there's just as good a chance as Nick Chubb busting off a, uh, you know, 75-yard touchdown run as there is uh, Jacoby Brissett going down the field uh Nine plays, eight passes for seventy-five yards and a touchdown to David and Joku in the in the end zone. You know, so I mean, we'll see. Maybe I'm cut. Maybe I'm maybe I'm not giving Jacoby Brissett enough credit, but I'm just. I guess what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to set myself up to not get my hopes up. I mean, you're you're not and much more pessimistic than I am. I actually am a little surprised that I'm came in with more wins than you did. Actually, based on the tenor of some of our conversations in the last couple months, but. 
you know, it, what's the difference between four and five? I mean, not much. So I just, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not high on Jacoby Reset. I'll just put it that way. So, would I go out and probably trade for Jimmy Garoppolo? Does it make it complicated that Deshaun Watson's not suspended for the entire season? Yes. To kill you salary wise. Probably. Oh, it, it would hurt. Like trading for Jimmy Garoppolo means in the next year or two, not being able to re-sign a guy that we really like that's going to be coming up for free agency. Right. That's what's going to happen. Which is not good. No. So that's like, you know, JOK's got this year and next year on his contract. Let's say he has a Pro Bowl season this year and then, you know, is really good uh, next year. More than likely, trading for Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> More than likely, trading, trading for Jimmy Garoppolo, you're probably letting uh, John Johnson walk in free agency. It leads to stinky situations later on. Yeah, just like we had on the podcast the last, in the last 15 seconds. Yep. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. Um, but we'll get into that if, if and when that happens. I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think the Browns are trading for jimmy garoppolo um so but things could always change i mean it could get it could get to a situation where the 49ers don't find a train don't find a trade partner for him in the next week and they're just forced to cut him in which case i would certainly uh i would certainly bring jimmy garoppolo here for as a free agent mark my words the browns bring in jimmy garoppolo he's just gonna get hurt <laughs> wow, boy, you're really going out going out on a limb there, buddy. Jeez, wow, hot takes. That's not exactly a hot take. God, I thought you were gonna have hot takes today. You really didn't. No. Set the listeners up to fail. That's all right. I'm sure we'll have plenty. So, okay. Well, I mean, I think that's really gonna do it for us this week. Uh, yeah, that was fun. <laughs> Tonight. <laughs> Anyway, big week coming up for the guards. Um, you know, it it's starting to feel real with this baseball team. Starting to feel real with that October baseball. Who would have thought we would be saying that at the start of this season? This team had, at the beginning of the season, had a $45 million payroll. What was that third lowest in the major leagues, I think? Second or third, something like that. It's yeah. it only behind the uh, the Oakland. You know the Oakland Athletics only have one player on their team making more than making more than two and a half million dollars. Wow! <laughs> Somehow that doesn't surprise me. Well, they're they're just biding time until they go to Vegas. So, you know, they have no incentive to compete now. Oh man! Anyway, uh, yeah. So we are getting close to hearing Tom Hamilton say, "And Cleveland." You will have an October to remember. We're getting close, man. We can feel it. It's realistic. It's there. And I'm telling you, I am telling you, I've been tweeting it from the from the from the from the podcast account. I keep tweeting, don't let the Gardos get hot. If the Guardians get hot in late September into October, this is this might sound incredibly hyperbolic, but I think that the Guardians might be playing baseball in November. Not just October. You know, the the, uh, the possibility of that, I said, was zero a month ago. But the Guardians most likely, assuming they don't you know lose the little miniseries at the start, uh, their most likely divisional round matchup 
would be against the Yankees, who have <sighs> been downright terrible over the last month. Yeah, we'll see. So, uh, who knows? It's becoming somewhat more likely than it was a month ago. I wouldn't bet on it, but I think now the just the window is creaked just a little bit. Yeah, to where you could see the Guardians get on a greater run in the playoffs. But yep. Uh, the last thought I have, though, is uh, you mentioned Artie Moreno is selling the Angels. Yeah. You know who you should sell them to, right? Who's that? Roger and JP. <laughs> <laughs> it could happen. <laughs> Shout out uh, Angels in the outfield there with that reference. Very nice. All right. Well, on that note, we're really going to get out of here. So uh, you've been listening to uh, LOTL, Living Off the Land, episode 225. Follow us on social media at the LOTL podcast. You can follow me at Daniel J. Ford. Uh, you cannot follow Twitterless Steve yet, but we're going to change that. Give me your names. <laughs> anyway, um, for, for Steven, I'm Dan. You've been listening to Living Off the Land, and we will catch you guys next week. See ya.